Alright, I want to draw your attention to verse 14. So, uh, one thing we see in this passage before I start reading this is there is a, dis- a dispute going on between Paul and Peter. Okay, Sometimes good people get into disputes and have disagreements and uh, sometimes it's not a case of both being wrong. Sometimes one's wrong. And Peter is wrong in this situation. But notice what Paul said in verse 14. He says, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the Gospel, I said unto Peter, Before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. Okay, now I want to explain this passage to you because I want to I want to, I'm kicking off a series of messages I want to preach today on how to change your culture. Alright, about how to change your culture. And when I say changing your culture, I'm not talking about the American culture, but I'm talking about you and your family. You all come from a culture. You all have your own culture. And a lot of times, it's hard to change those things. It's hard to change just how you've lived your entire life. Uh, you know what you've always done. It can be very difficult. Uh, the church culture, the Christian culture, is very different than the world's culture. And we see here in this passage something that's going on here back in this time in the church. We see the same kind of thing going on today. So what we had back then, because Paul makes this statement that sounds weird: "We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles." And now I don't think anybody would think that Paul is saying here that Jews are not sinners. But what he's saying when he said we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, he's saying we're not like the Gentiles who really they had no law. The Gentiles who were an immoral people where the Jews on the other hand, they had the law of God. They followed the Ten Commandments for the most part. They All these things that were commanded in the Old Testament, it was a part of their life. It was a part of their culture. And the thing, the thing is the morality that the Old Testament law taught, it was good, wasn't it? And it was something that when Gentiles got saved, God wanted them living lives that were decent, living lives that were moral according to that Old Testament law. But can you imagine how it was probably very difficult for some Gentiles? I mean, could you imagine you take some of the most heathen cultures that are out there today and then all of a sudden just plop them in the United States, plop them into this church and... They're not used to living the way we do. I mean, there's some cultures out there today they don't even wear any clothes. That's just, that's their culture. That's where they're from. Now, is that okay? No, that's not okay. If they get saved, are we not going to try to get them wearing clothes? Absolutely. You know, if they were eating people, are we going to try to tell them, hey, you shouldn't be eating people? We're going to try to change our culture, aren't we? And it's just like we we try to do today. People who get saved out there in the world. They're living in immorality, living in fornication. When they get saved, we're going to try to change that. We're going to try to, you know, clean them up. And so Paul here, he's, but he's kind of getting on to Peter here because something happened here that even happens today. While in our country, and some of you older folks can back me up on this, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, the American culture was very Christian, wasn't it? You know, the biblical morality, it was a part of the American culture. Now, that is not the case anymore. We are a very heathen culture now. Now, here's the other thing. Was everybody 50, 60, 70 years ago that was practicing the American 
Christian culture, were they all saved? No. Okay? One thing that's very clear in the Bible that the Bible teaches and Paul teaches here, because he's getting on to Peter because Peter, as he's putting on this act of living like the Jews and following all their customs, he's sending a wrong message to the Gentiles. He's sending a message that righteousness comes by the law. And Paul is rebuking him for that because righteousness does not come by the law. Okay? And so we have kind of two different groups in here today. Okay? There's people like me. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Baptist preacher's home. When I got saved, I didn't have to throw out my tobacco products. You know, I didn't have to. I didn't have to go empty my refrigerator of all the alcohol. You know, I didn't have to. I didn't have to quit cussing. I hadn't started cussing. Okay, I I didn't have that in my culture. Now, some of you in here today, you got saved after you lived a long life of that kind of thing. And when you got saved, that change it was difficult. You might have come into a church and they're preaching against all your hobbies. You know, they're preaching against all the stuff that you do all the time, and, you know, it, it's tough. You know, some of us in here, you know, that were, you know, we grew up in a Christian home, we were either in a Christian school or homeschooled, we were very sheltered. I remember being shocked when I got a job in the secular world, find out how many people shacked up and were living together unmarried. I didn't know, I, I didn't realize that many people did that. That was, that was a shocker to me. That's how sheltered I was. You know, you didn't have to, you didn't have to twist my arm to keep me from going and just shacking up with some girl and sleeping around and all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't know people did that. That's, that's how sheltered I was. That was my culture. Okay? But then, if you would have taken somebody else my age, you know, I got married at 20 years old and, you know, I said I was very innocent. You know, I, I was, I was pure, all that stuff. But, you know, for, so for me, at 20 years old, you know, starting my family, you know, living the Christian life and teaching Christian things, it wasn't a change. I was just continuing what I've always done. Now, you take someone else who's lived like the devil for 20 years, and you try to get them doing those same things, who's going to have a harder time? That person who, you know, lived like the devil for all those years. Okay? Now, thank God he saves those people because all of my, you know, moral living that I had growing up, you all make sure you realize this because this is what the Bible teaches very clearly. It didn't earn me one second into heaven. Y'all get that? Okay, just because I got to the marriage altar pure didn't mean I was I'm going to heaven because of that. Just because I went to church all my life didn't mean I deserve salvation. I was still a sinner, like all because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I still came short of God's glory. I still had to get saved by grace through faith. But living the Christian life is not was not going to be as big of a challenge for me. It was going to be much easier for me. And there are many of you in here like that today where you grew up in a Christian home. The things that are preached here, they're second nature to you. I mean, some of you in here today, you still cringe when you hear somebody say a cuss word. Or some of you in here, you got to try real hard not to say a cuss word. You know, it's it's hard for you not to do those things. Why? You come from a different culture. Now, people who get saved out of that, you know, heathen culture, we're going to call it the Gentile culture. People who get saved out of that, they come to a church like this and they want to have that new culture. They want to be, you know, they want to have a family that's a Christian family. They don't want their kids to grow up and all that junk. But it's hard. 
It's going to be a challenge because it goes against how they've been raised. They don't know how to deal with certain things. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in a home where, you know, divorce wasn't an option. You know, I grew up in a home where, you know, biblical authority was established, where the husband was the head of the wife and the wife was in subjection to the husband. I grew up with that kind of thing. So I, you know, when it comes to how you deal with your wife and all those things, I grew up with the dad who followed all of those things. So when it came to me, you know, in, in my marriage, you know, I knew how to handle things. I, you know, I know that you know when your wife gets mouthy with you, you know, that's not your opportunity to backhand her. Okay. Now, now we've talked. I talk about it all the time, but I've never actually done it. All right. <laughs> Apparently, one time I did slap her, but I was asleep, and she swore I did it on purpose. She was mad at me for a whole day. It took me a whole day to convince her it was an accident. I do not remember to this day. But she, she was pretty mad. I learned then, don't ever slap her. <laughs> Not just because it's wrong, but because you know, she'll, she'll get even. But some people, some kids, some, some men who are Christians, who are saved, they don't know how to handle a domestic dispute. You know, they don't know. It's, just, it's not their nature to not hit a woman. They grew up in a home where when the wife got mouthy, the husband slapped her around. And folks, that's wrong. Right? That's terrible. You can't do that. But it's hard not to do it because that's all you saw growing up. You lived with that every day of your life and understand you need to change that. If you came from a culture, if your father was a cheater, if your father was an abuser, you need to understand that's going to be in your nature to do that, but you need to change that. You've got to fix that you cannot let that go on. You don't want to have the next generation do that same thing. You've got to change some of these things. And so we have we have these two groups in church today. It is a little easier for some than it is, than it is for other people. There is an advantage to those who grew up in a Christian home. Look at what it says in Romans chapter three and verse one. And I'm going to call it. All right, now we're not Jewish here. Okay, we're Christians, but understand. The Christian culture, the morals in it, it was based off of Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament law. Okay? And during Jesus' day, the Jews were more used to living the way that we would live today, practicing that type of morality, than the Gentiles were in that day. And in Romans chapter 3, in verse 1, okay, in chapter 1. Paul has been talking about basically like the Greek, the Roman culture that was a bunch of just wicked, vile, dirty reprobates. But then in chapter 2, he talks a little more about the Jewish culture who had a law. They weren't as bad as the Romans and the Greek culture, but they were sinners just the same. And and then when we get to chapter 3 though, notice what he says. He says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision. If both are sinners, okay? If people who grew up in a Christian culture are sinners, if people who grew up in a Gentile culture are both sinners, then where's the advantage, all right? So where what's the advantage for the Jew? Well, listen to what Paul said. He said much every way chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. You know what he was saying here? The Jews had a great advantage over the Gentiles because they had the Word of God. 
They had God's law. They knew these things. Now, at the end of the day, they sinned and they came short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. So I don't care who you are. If you grew up in the most strict Christian home today, understand all those works that you did growing up, none of those things earned you salvation. You still came short of God's glory. You still need a Savior, just like the naked people in Africa eating people. You need a Savior just like they do. But understand, you are at an advantage. You do have an advantage. And when you get saved, living the Christian life is going to be easier for you. And it is, it's sad. Some cultures today are really struggling when it comes to certain things. Some cultures today, I mean, they do not have strong families. They have not been taught morality. Now, many people in these cultures, they often get saved. Missionaries will go over to these countries. They'll give them the Gospel. The people will believe it. They will get saved. But they still have some real challenges in their life. When we go out soul winning, and when we're in Chicago, we're out there soul winning in the ghetto, the people are very, very open and receptive to the Gospel. They often believe the Gospel. They call on the Lord. They get saved. They're just as saved as you and me. But understand, when it comes to now living the Christian life, they're at a disadvantage, aren't they? You know why? Because they come from a drug culture. They come from a culture where there are no fathers in the homes. They come from a culture that has not been taught how to control their temper and not been taught how to govern themselves. They've been dependent on the government. They've been dependent on all these welfare programs that only just handicap people and only hurt them. They are, you know, their, their culture does not have the things that many of us have who grew up in Christian homes. And sadly, it's that case, it's getting that case now across the board in our country. You know, I don't care what color you are. Our, pretty much our entire nation is heathen. That's just the way it's going. It's heathen. Morality is not being taught. And it's destroying our culture. We wonder today why we're having so many more mass shootings today. Everybody's like, why are we having so many mass shootings today? Everybody wants to blame the guns. But you know what's interesting is guns are not as big a part of our culture as they used to be. Did you know back in the day, everyone had guns. They were dependent on guns. They had to have guns. To survive, because they'd go hunt for their food, and they, you know, everybody had them. It used to just be a part of culture. In my culture, guns are a big part of my culture. It's not that it's it's not unusual when our family gets together, when my family gets together, that me and my dad and my brother-in-laws were all out shooting guns, and we've never shot each other. Right? We 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 out shooting guns. My dad's got a big barn in his backyard that's kind of falling down. And we always kind of use that as a backdrop. And my goal is one day for that whole barn to come falling down because we put so many bullet holes in it. You know, that, 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 that's how we are. That's, that's a part of our culture. But yeah, I've never even thought about going and just shooting up a place. That's never even crossed my mind. But that's going on today constantly. Why is that? Because there's something wrong with our culture. That's why. And I'll tell you a little bit of what that is. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I believe part of what's wrong with our culture that's leading to that, but we have a cultural problem in our country and we will continue to see mass shootings rise. They're going to, they're going to continue to go up. Mass murders, we're going to continue seeing this. We're going to continue seeing perversion spread. We're going to continue to see the homosexuality and all these things grow. We're going to continue to see more and more young people that are confused about their gender. Why? Because we have a cultural problem in this country. 
But let me tell you something. I thank God I never had a struggle with what gender I was. You know why? Because I came from a good culture. None of my sisters ever struggled with what gender that they were from, that they were. We all, they, my parents knew as soon as we were born. And never had any doubt since then. It's not a problem. We didn't have to waste a bunch of money going to a psychiatrist and talking to them and saying, you know, I can't figure out what I am. It was, it was simple. Whenever we became teenagers, we didn't have to wonder what we were going to marry someday. We knew. It was just going to be which, you know, which girl. You know, that, that, was, that was the only mystery. You know, we didn't struggle with that stuff. We weren't confused about those things. I remember the first, the, my, the first memory I have of any type of encounter with homos, we were at Six Flags. And I didn't, I didn't even really know what a homo was at the time. And I just remember we were in line for some ride. It was a long, it was a long line. And my dad is standing in front of us with his hands kind of on both poles and he's making us stay behind him. It was me and my two younger sisters. And he's keeping a ton of space between us and these guys who are in front of us. And we're like, why is he? And, you know, and, and I kept that, like, Dad, why aren't we scooting up? He's like, no, we're not scooting up. <laughs> and, there's, and there is, there's like this, I mean, very obvious amount of space between us and these, other, these guys. And it was just kind of weird. And people are looking and, you know, it's just like, Dad, we need, you know, we need to move up. And he's just not saying anything. He's just standing there looking mad, you know, just keeping us far back from these guys. And, you know, later, was like, Dad, why were you doing that? All he said, because, you know, he wasn't going to explain all this stuff to us. He says, he just said those guys in front of us were weirdos. That's what he called it. He just, he just called them weirdos. You know, he didn't call them gays or homo. He said weirdos is what he called them. And he's like, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want you going up by, I didn't want to be close to him and stuff. And I was just like, okay. And then later, I remember kind of finding out, and then I remember, he brought that story up, and then all of a sudden it started making sense. But I was taught that kind of thing is weird. It's bad. Stay away from it. And I'm thankful for that. I never struggled with that. I never, I never wondered about that kind of thing. But you understand, our culture today, the American culture, is being brainwashed with a bunch of perverted trash. And people are confused about these things. I mean, programs are constantly being promoted and shoved down people's throat that's only going to add to the confusion and this is destroying our culture. It's destroying it. And thank God when people come out of it, but do you understand that as our society and our culture gets more and more wicked, the more difficult it's going to be for people when they get saved to live the life that they're supposed to live? It's going to be tough, folks. They're still saved. Hey, these people we get out saved, we get saved out soul winning. They're still saved whether they ever start whether they look like us and start acting like us or not. Because at the end of the day, every one of us who are sitting here in church, we still don't deserve to be saved. We're still only going to get into heaven because of we have faith in Jesus Christ and by grace. Amen. And the people out there, if they have faith in Jesus Christ, they're going to be saved by the grace of God too. They're going to go to the same heaven that you and I are, but. Their lives will be extraordinarily different on this earth if they do not change their ways, if they do not change their culture. There will be consequences and we need to help these Gentiles, some of you Gentiles, figuratively speaking, to change your culture. Because the culture, you know, it's, uh, one definition of it is a particular form or stage of civilization. 
as that of a certain nation or period. You can often, by watching a movie without even reading a description of it, look at the way the people are dressed and you can know what period it is, can't you? Because a certain, at a certain times and at certain cultures, they dressed a certain way. You can look at those things and you can just kind of, you can kind of tell. And there are, there's you know, many things that were common 50 years ago that people did that just, that aren't common today. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot we could say to define a culture. But one thing we want to do, we want to change the one we're from. You know, the world makes fun of the Leave It to Beaver family. You know, with the mom and the, you know, that stays at home and the dad that works and the kid, you know, they make fun of that. But folks, that was a better culture. Do you understand that? How many mass shootings did you hear about then? You, you didn't hear about it back then. It, it didn't happen back then, but it's happening like crazy today. Why? Because our culture is deteriorating and we've got to help people change this. And a lot of this message is pretty much just, it's just intro. Alright, it's pretty much, it's, it's intro. I'm going to get into one subject today, but I'm going to talk about many more things in the next weeks to come. Because we need to be, we need to know how to change our culture. Those of you that did not grow up as a Christian, that you have a past that, you know, that was wicked, thank God He saved you. Thank God that's all under the blood. When you stand before God, those things will not be brought up. But understand, your past life, it's going on this earth. There's going to be things that you have to deal with. There's going to be challenges that come from it. You can overcome those things. You must overcome those things. You need to overcome those things for the next generation. And I'm hoping through some of these things, you know, we can help people do that because we want we want to change our culture. I don't want to just get you saved. I want to get you saved, and I want to get you living like a Christian ought to live. Why? Because you'll be happier. You'll have greater success. You're, you're more likely to pass on your Christianity to the next generation. And they're going to be able to do more for God. And so when it comes to changing our culture, what it, it all everything rises and falls on leadership. It all starts with the leadership. Our cult, what's killing our culture today is our, the family structure has been destroyed. And we've got to get this right it all must start with proper leadership. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. And with the verses that I'm going to read today, they are mocked by our culture. If you follow these things, you will be mocked, you will be scoffed at, but our culture, we ought to be laughing at them because look at what they're producing. They're producing a people that can't figure out if they're male or female. And we're going to listen to them? We're going to let them laugh at us? How does that make any sense? They're the ones that are all medicated because they're all messed up mentally in the head because of their disgusting, horrible lifestyles. We're the ones that don't need that. And yet, we're going to let them laugh at us? I don't understand that. I don't understand how Christians, why they want so bad to fit in with a bunch of heathens. I don't understand why Christians want to look good and, and impress and please a bunch of heathens that can't put out a good family. I don't get that. But yet it's a struggle. But here's what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You know, a lot of women, I, I, I can't obey my husband, he's too rotten. I'm just going to obey God. Well, here's how you obey God. You submit to your husbands. Okay? If you're not submitting to your husband, you're disobeying God. That's what the Bible's teaching right here. 
And it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So understand where we're going to, if you're going to change your culture, it's going to start with the leadership. It's got to start with the head of the home. And now, because our culture is in bad shape, in many cases, often the wife is the head of the home. There is no man there. There is no husband there. Right. Now understand, if you as a, as a mom, if, if you don't have a husband, if he's not there, it doesn't mean you can't put out some good kids. It doesn't mean you cannot succeed in raising some good kids. Many single mothers have done just that. But can I say this? It's a challenge. It's more of a challenge. You're at a disadvantage. That doesn't mean you can't do it. It's not an excuse to give up. But it is a disadvantage. And if you have a son or a daughter, either way, there's going to be some things that are, that are missing in their life that they're going to have to overcome someday in order to change their culture. Because your son is not going to get to see how a man ought to treat his wife. He's not going to get to see that. So he's going to have to overcome that. He's going to, he's going to have to be an overcomer too. So moms, understand though, if your son can see you overcome when you're at a disadvantage, that's going to help him overcome where he's at a disadvantage. Same thing with your daughter. She's not going to know how to be a submissive wife instinctively because she hasn't got to see that. She hasn't been able to see that in her mom. She hasn't been able to watch that. But if she sees you overcome those obstacles, if she sees you do the right thing when the deck's stacked against her, she'll be able to do that same thing and help the next generation. So understand, just because you're somebody who's at a disadvantage, it doesn't mean that you're without hope. Okay? You have hope. You can do it. It, it can be done. You just, but you've got to recognize it's going to be a little more difficult. And you know, God bless those and thank God for those who have overcome those things and who have succeeded. Many great people have come from single moms or even single dads. Many have done that, but those people are overcomers. You've got to be an overcomer. You can't be an excuse maker. Don't let the disadvantage stop you. But you do need to realize there is a disadvantage. So, But we can't get these things out of order. It's unacceptable to get these things out of order. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, folks. So I don't like this whole idea of the wife submitting to the husband. Well, you need to talk to your great, 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 great grandmother Eve. She, you know, she's the one that got that all started. That was part of the curse. That's what God instituted. He said that she was going to have to submit to her husband. That he would rule over her. It's part of the curse. But do you all understand that that is what will work though? That works the best. A culture, and there are lost cultures out there, people who are not saved, they're not on the way to heaven, but yet they have strong families. You know why? Because in that culture, the husband is the head of the home. And the wife is in submission to her husband. And they turn out great families. They turn out happy families. Now, if those people don't get saved, they're going to go to hell just like the heathen. Remember, these things we're talking about here, they're not about salvation, but they're about how to have a better life after salvation. So you've got to, as, as 
men, as husbands, as fathers, you have got to set the example. You are the one that has to change the culture. You, it's going to be the men who are going to change the culture in our world. Unfortunately, it's been the women changing the culture in our world today. And how's that going for us? Right? Now, is it because there's something wrong with women? No, there's nothing wrong with women. When God, I mean, we're in trouble without the women, folks. Alright? That's just a fact. We're all in trouble, but we've got to understand our roles are different. Our roles are different. It is not that women are less important than us. They are equally important. Equally important. They are equally necessary. But when we get out of place, when we get things out of whack, when you put the cart before the horse, it's not going to work. And cultures today are switching things around and it's not working. And the proof is everywhere out there. Alright? If if you don't think if you think I'm wrong, all you gotta do is just go to Walmart. You know, and just watch some people. And I'll I'll be proved right fast. You know, go go to the mall. You know, I'm serious. You know what? If you if you think I'm wrong, you go you go to the mall or you go to some of these concerts, some of these places where there are these girls out there that are just letting young men do whatever they want, treat them like trash, treat them like garbage, and you know what you ought to do? You ought to go ask that girl, what does your dad think about this? You know what she's going to say? I don't know my dad. That's what she's going to say. She doesn't have a dad tell, you know, teaching her that she has value. She doesn't have a dad that's protecting her. You go see some guy out there slapping his girlfriend around and asking her you know, where he got. He doesn't have a dad either. He's not, he's not been taught that. You know what he did see, though, growing up? He saw his mom's boyfriend doing that to her. And that's the type of thing that he is going to continue doing. We saw, I think it was just last year, we were heading to the graduation in Rock Falls, and on the way to the graduation, we're watching a domestic take place, as they call them, and there's, that, there's this girl and guy out there, and they're just going at it with each other. The guy's kind of messing around and kind of slapped her a little bit. Man, she freaked out. She started attacking him. I mean, it got it got ugly. Alright? So why'd you try to stop it? Well, because it looked like the girl had it under control pretty good. <laughs> and she and she did. Finally the guy gets mad, he goes walking off, you know, like a thud with his pants on the ground, you know. And then all of a sudden she's kind of standing back and she's just watching, she's kind of huffing and puffing, and she's still mad. And she just goes charging after that guy. He didn't see her coming. And she just rams into him from behind, knocks him over. Everything went flying out of her purse. There's stuff everywhere. Some people called the cops and came out. You know, and uh, you know, we told them what we saw. I, I, you know, I told them, I, you know, the girl, <laughs> she was kind of the aggressor in that one. She, she was beating the guy up. But at, at the same time, you know, I promise you, if I'd have went to that guy and said, you know, is it, did your dad teach you how to handle women like? You know, he doesn't know his dad. That girl, hey, you know, didn't your dad teach you about letting scumbums like that in your life? She doesn't have a dad. I, I guarantee it. That that's how it is in cultures without fathers. That the daughters often they they've not been taught the value that they have. They've not been taught how precious they are. They've never been treated with value from a man before, and so they let some guy come along and treat him like trash. My goal as a father is to treat my girls in such a way 
where they feel like princesses, think they're princesses, feel like they have value, and some scumbag dirt, you know, just, I, I can't even think of bad enough stuff to call them. They come along, and they want to just, you know, use my daughter. I want them to feel like, hey, I am above this. You know, listen, you can't even put on deodorant, you're not getting me. You won't even get a stinking haircut. You think I'm gonna like, you think I'm gonna marry some guy that looks like a girl? You can't even pull your pants up. You can't even wear a belt. You know, or you're in skinny jeans. You know, why are you even interested in me? I'm a girl. You know, I, I'm gonna teach my daughters these things. So when these dirtbags come along, they're not gonna to want to have anything to do with them because they come from a culture where that kind of thing is weird. And just like you and I, we can't imagine just going around public naked like they do in some countries. You can't imagine eating people. You know, that's weird to us. I want it to be weird for my kids and for my daughters to just shack up with any bum that comes along. With any, I want that thing to be so that to be so foreign to them that they can't even imagine. I want them when they're at Six Flags and there's a bunch of Fruit Loops in front of them. I want them to be like, I ain't going near that. I want them to be backing off. I want them to be freaked out by that stuff. I don't want them to gravitate towards that. I don't want them to like that type of thing. I, I want to pass on the culture that was passed on to me. And you know what? I came from a culture that was extremely homophobic. And I'm cool with that. And I'm thankful for that. And I fully intend to pass that on to the next generation. And so far, so good. Alright? So far, so good. You know, my kids would, uh, you know, they, they're, they're not politically correct on that stuff. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not teaching them to be mean. We don't throw rocks at anybody or hurt anybody. But at the same time, you know, it, it's up to me. I've got to do this. You know, men will never succeed in life or they'll never succeed in their marriages or in raising their children until they learn to step up and do what God created them to do. And women will never be happy and they'll continue being de- dependent on pharmaceutical companies until they get in their proper place, until they do what God created them to do. And where real change needs to take place, it's in the leadership. Fathers need to be the ones to make the difference. You are the main one to do that. Once again, if there is no father in the home, you're not without hope. You have hope. It can be done, but it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. One thing I read just this week, 26 out of the 27 of these latest, or I don't know if it's the latest mass shootings or the worst mass shootings, were by men from fatherless homes. And... You know, you, you want to, when it comes to my gun culture, you know who got me into the gun culture? My dad did. But you know, my dad also taught me to be safe with the gun. You know, my dad always taught me, you know, that hey, these guns, they're great, they're fun, they're great tools, but you better have some respect for them. Anytime you pick up a gun, first thing you do, you check to make sure it's not loaded. Even if it's not loaded, you don't go pointing at anything unless you intend to shoot. I was taught that there is some potential, I mean, severe damage that can be done if not handled properly, and you better have some respect for it. And so that, that's what I was taught. You know, I was taught human life had value. I, I didn't grow up being taught abortion. Abortion has always been a disgusting thought to me. I wasn't taught to devalue human life. I didn't grow up being taught that we came from monkeys and that we were just highly evolved animals. I was taught we were created by God, that man was created in the image of God. And that whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God. 
God created man in, the, in His image. And so when we put down somebody that's in the image of God, that is a big deal. That's the kind of thing I was taught. I was taught to value human life. And, there, and so I don't have a problem with this kind of thing. I was taught that from a young age by someone who all young people just naturally are going to love, admire, and respect, and that's their father. And there's just something about displeasing your father that just hurts extra, doesn't it? You know, who cares if you just upset your neighbor or a co-worker? Alright, you know, I mean, yeah, we can get over that pretty fast. It's, it's a lot more difficult when it's your father though, isn't it? But many people, they don't have that. They don't have a father to disappoint if they go out and do something really horrible or something really stupid. In many cases, they don't even have a mom that they, they can disappoint. And often when they do have that mom and dad, to disappoint, it's somebody who abused them. It's somebody who was terrible to them. It's somebody who was a drunk and a drug user and just made them live a horrible existence. They don't care. They want to hurt them. That's how they are. But I didn't come from that kind of culture. So because because of that, to this day, you know that holds me back from doing wrong. My father's influence to, that that still affects me today. Some people don't have that. And thank God, and we need to make sure that you create that in your Amen. So, so we don't. So we do not have a gun problem in this country. I think the percentage of people who have guns today, is, I'm sure, is a lot smaller than it was 100 years ago. But yet, more murders, more shootings. Why? Because we have a culture problem. Right. And it's a, it's a big culture problem. And, all, but, and so here's the thing. We didn't, even, we didn't even take the time to go through all of Galatians chapter 2. But Paul, when he's explaining about how we're not justified by the deeds of the law, he's making it very clear that all cultures, saved and lost, or not saved and lost, all cultures, whether Christian or heathen, okay, they all come short of God's glory. You might have come from a Christian home. You might have grown up at, going to church. You were... You, practice morality, you went to the marriage altar pure, doesn't earn you one second in heaven, you still come short of God's glory. Okay? The Bible's very clear about that. But the Bible's also clear that the way of the Word of God, the way of a Christian, is a better life than that of a heathen. The way of the transgressor is hard. And we want to have a better culture. And while there's not a whole lot we can do for everybody out there, we can do something about those in here. And so you know what we're going to continue to do in this church? We are going to continue to blow the trumpet against our culture. We're going to call out the abominations that are being promoted today because they destroy lives. And we're going to teach what the Bible teaches about culture so you all can have a better life. So you all can turn out a better generation. I want more people. I want I want the children that are in here to have what I had Amen. growing up. I want the wickedness of this world to be foreign to them. And I know for many people who got saved later in life, it's going to be a challenge. But you know what you need to do? You just need to say, challenge accepted. And I'm going to make sure it's better for my kids. And your kids are going to have their own challenges too. Often, kids who grew up in Christian homes, they often wonder if they're missing out on something out there. That's another challenge. 
That's another subject for another day, but that's something that you can help them with. And that's something my dad, you know, he came from a Christian home, but they weren't real good Christians. You know, there's a lot of people who kind of have one foot in the world, another foot in the church. That's kind of where my dad came from. And, but the thing is, my dad, you know, he, he got to see both sides, and he was constantly warning us about the dangers that are out there, about what it leads to. And you know what else he did? He let us see where it leads to. He let us see how, how it is out there. And you know what it did? it did to me as a kid? It scared me. I'm like, good night. That, you know, those, those women that, that you know, were all pretty, you know, that's what alcohol did to them. That's what drugs did to them. Forget that. You know, that, that's what that type of life does. You know, my dad, he didn't, you know, the, the beginning of those roads, they look great. But it's the end that's horrible. My dad let me see the end. And it was like, forget that. I don't want that. And I hope you don't either. We've got to our culture in the next week. I'm, I'm hoping to cover some things that you can establish in your homes as leaders to help with that, to change the culture, to set your the next generation up for success. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for uh, Your goodness to us. And dear God, I pray You'll help us to set an example in this church. I pray You'll help us to change uh, our culture. Lord, there's so much heartache and there's so much bad happening in this world, but I pray, Lord, that we could at least be spared. The people in this church can be spared. And I pray you'll help us we try to uh, present the truth in a way that will be uh, helpful to them. pray you'll be with those who are at a disadvantage, Lord. Help them to realize that if they have you on their side, they can be an overcomer. Help them to just accept that challenge and uh, uh, just make it better for the next generation. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead.